Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you for once again joining us for our show. For those of you who don't know me, I'm W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. And I'm so glad that you joined us today. All of my books are available on Amazon in paperback and ebook, as well as volumes two through six being available on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. We got a great show lined up for you today, and I want to invite my brother in early. Kev, are you out there? I am out there, Bill. How are you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, I wanted to bring you in, Kev, because, you know, as you know, we're always getting emails, people chiming in with us, which is what we love. And Absolutely. I, I had a conversation today uh, with a lovely couple from down south, uh, Scott and his wife, Megan. And uh, they had emailed me about uh, some evidence. I... I didn't really read the email that well before I called them because I do like to talk to the people and get stuff firsthand. Yep. And uh, it turns out that Scott uh, was or still is a surveyor, a land surveyor. And he had been on a property where the uh, adjoining property owner had uh, come to speak with him or he to the owner. And nearing the end of their conversation... This gentleman says to him something to the effect of, did you see the hoodoo? (laughs) I said to myself, what the heck is a hoodoo? But (laughs) it turns out that Scott is listening to this man describing what he saw, which was three creatures uh, walking a property line. And Scott realizes that the guy is talking about three Bigfoot or a family of Bigfoot that he saw walking on this property line. That's pretty very cool. Pretty incredible, you know? A little voodoo with the hoodoo. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> and you know what? It just made me realize uh how things happen in the land of Bigfoot. You know, you and I have talked about it at least several times about my conversation with my neighbor, the cop, about the UFO he saw. Right. And to me, this is the same thing. Like, uh, maybe this guy was just, like, itching for somebody to talk to about what he saw. And this was the moment in time, and Scott was the guy to hear it. Very cool. Yeah. And, of course, now Scott passes it on to me. Uh, so And so the ball gets rolling with yet what was potentially another sighting of uh, Bigfoot in America. Very cool. Now, did Scott ever see it, or he just had this guy tell him about the hoodoos? No, uh, Scott and his wife, Megan, are just a uh, fan of uh, the Bigfoot phenomena. Okay, yeah. And uh, they're listening to our podcast and enjoying it. And uh, he just thought he'd reach out to me and share this little blurb about somebody speaking to him about their sighting. Very cool. So, you know, it's just kind of neat uh, how it works. You know, when I told Scott, I said, Scott, you know, I look at myself as like a conduit. Uh, we're a venue where we can both speak and listen to what others uh, have to say as far as their findings uh, and encounters go. And we put information out there, and in so doing, other people contact us with additional information. No doubt. So, uh, I mean, one of the most recent things, uh, did you read what I forwarded you from that hunter about the exploding deer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think yeah, of, actually, what do you think of yeah. that? That's pretty cool. Um, we're actually going to talk about that in viewer mail or listener mail. Sorry. So Okay. Let's not give that one away. Yeah, no, very interesting, <laughs> though. But it's super cool. Yeah, we. Lo- I mean, basically, we the program is so much better as all of these folks out there reach out to us and expand our knowledge based on what they've seen, heard, or read. 
So, I mean, that's exactly how it should work. And it's working great, by the way, folks. All of you out there, keep the insights and input coming. It's fantastic. Yeah, it really is fantastic. And it's a little Bigfoot hoodoo network. <laughs> we got the hoodoo going on, brother. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I got to do some research on the hoodoo. Yeah, well, see if there's anything listed under the hoodoo. That was a new one for me. I mean, I've heard the booger. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The hairy man, uh, the beast, uh, Bigfoot, you know, Sasquatch. Yeah, we. Yeah, we. Don't forget him. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is, too, and uh, I was talking to them, them about this as well. The integrity, uh, the type of people that I'm speaking to. I mean, these people did just not put the cork in a bottle of triple X moonshine when I called them, you know, they, right. they were straight up, very personable, very nice, uh, good sense of humor, had their head screwed on straight and they're telling the story. You know what I mean? So what do you say? You know, no, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, so Scott, a lot of people out there seeing things and saying things about it, which is fantastic. Yeah, and you know what? Here we go, uh, Megan and Scott. Just because you were nice to me on the phone today, I'm going to send you out an autographed copy of one of my Bigfoot books. Oh, All right, again. So they didn't, somebody else gets an autographed copy, sorry, and I Kevin. still don't have any. <laughs> so Scott and Megan... I want you to send me your address back on a link at uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, and I'm going to send you out a copy of one of my books just because I like you. Congratulations. <laughs> Very cool. Outrageous. So I think you got something uh, tucked in the rear drawer today, Kev. I do. And I also just want to uh, uh, thank everyone one more time and let them know, Bill, this is a, a monumental day for us. This is our last podcast of our first season. Wow. So the next one you hear will be the beginning of season two. And uh, first season, you know, coming into season one, Bill and I were kind of like, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this. <laughs> and and uh, you have all blown us away um, with the interaction and the number of listeners and number of downloads that are out there. So thank you so much. We're having a good time and we're going to keep it coming. So yeah. the next podcast you hear from us will be season two. But So let's talk about this sighting that uh, I'm going to report on. So basically, we have a report of a holiday sighting of Sasquatch that occurred around the time of the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday in the end of November. Mm. And the story was published on December 23rd by our friend Tim Bunnell. Uh, and I saw it on uh, the Coast to Coast AM website. And it's pretty darn interesting. And the way the story goes, a motorist was driving on a highway in Oregon. Of course, Oregon is a hotbed of Bigfoot and Sasquatch sightings on November 30th of this year. So not too long ago. And the individual uh, called and said that they called and said that they saw a Sasquatch on the side of the road. And what they basically did was they fired up their cell phone and they made a frantic phone call to the state police to report what they had just seen. Wow. Yeah. So, again, here's somebody, you know, driving down the road. So hopefully they're sober, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they see this weird sighting we're going to talk a little bit more about here. And they immediately pick up the phone and call 911. So, you know, engaging with the state police out there. Yeah, it's incredible, too. And, you know, here again, you have a motorist randomly and haphazardly running across something, as the officer said, they're told does not exist. Yep. I mean, just and the caller said, basically, that it's too big to be a bear. And um, remember, you know, they're driving down a highway. So as part of the description... They said that the creature was dwarfing the size of the guardrail on the side of the highway. Wow. Just incredible. Yeah. And they also mentioned that it was walking in a bipedal manner. 
And so that, you know, also leads us that to believe that it's definitely not a bear. You know, bears yeah, no stand doubt. up on their hind legs, but they're not going to be walking down the highway on their hind legs. Yeah, and thankfully they didn't say it was thumbing a ride. <laughs> no mention of that. Mind if I get in? <laughs> Maybe they called the state police to report a hitchhiker. No, that's not it. So, you know, think about this for a minute. Someone's driving down the highway. They see this very large creature standing up on the side of the road. It's walking along upright. They mention that it is clearly too big to be a bear. And they're so certain that this is something extraordinary that they dial 911 to talk to state police. Yeah, I mean, that ice is the cake right there. Because let me tell you something. You can't fool around with 911. No, I mean, you're going to give them your name. They're they're tracing the number, too, right? You're calling from your mobile phone. Right. They capture your number, no doubt about it. Right. And if you start dropping in some phony baloney stuff... Uh, to the 911 operators. Oh, you're going to be accountable for it legally. Yeah, yeah somebody's yeah. coming to your door to uh, reprimand you at the very least. Exactly, exactly. So what is it uh, we see here? Yeah, so it, actually the story gets even more interesting now. So after receiving this frantic call uh, from the person that said that they saw a Sasquatch, the 911 dispatcher went to the Oregon uh, Department of Transportation website, the DOT website, and they happen to have a camera aimed at the location or the approximate location of the sighting. And get ready, the camera recorded an image from the approximate time of the sighting where there appears to be a very large Sasquatch standing upright on the side of the road next to the guardrail. Incredible. Yeah. Just pretty, incredible. Pretty amazing. Now, you know, I don't want to come off like I'm stupid about this because in most cases, I don't know what my brother's talking about, folks. Uh, but I had seen this video and I was dumbfounded by it. Uh, and I shared it with my brother, you know, to get his opinion on it. And so here we are today. I mean, mm -hmm. what did you make of that video, Kev? Yeah, so I only saw the still photographs. Um, did you actually see a video? No, I'm, I'm using the wrong okay. terminology. Okay. I saw the same still. No, the still definitely looks like a hairy man. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's also now there's naysayers on the message boards that I went and looked at, you know, some of these, uh, Oregon, I forget the name of the website, but I'll post the picture, which has their, uh, their uh, sourcing on it, on our website. But some of the naysayers, you know, they're talking about the fact that it's not a Bigfoot. It's actually a tree. Some are saying it's actually a road sign. Um, but, you know, again, hey, maybe it is a road sign or a tree. I don't think it is, but yeah. maybe it is. But it's still interesting that you had this witness. Again, they saw it. They thought enough of it to call 911 immediately from their car and report the sighting and then have the 911 dispatcher pull the image up, you know, on the camera memory records immediately. Yeah, well, right off the bat, Kev, uh, uh, pardon me if I'm ignorant. When was the last time you saw a tree or a road sign walking bipedally down the shoulder? Well, that's the whole thing. You know, you have the, the witness saying they saw it walking. Right. You're not going to mistake a tree for walking. Right. Um, and you're not going to mistake a road sign for walking. And if you had that much to drink, you wouldn't call 911. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I haven't yet. I mean, I'm in my 60s. I've yet to see a hairy road sign or a tree that grows fur. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe there's stuff out there, you know, but I haven't seen it. It's correct. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what's also interesting about this, Bill, it's, you know, we talk about it several times in the podcast that, you know, I think this is a sign of things to come in the hunt for the hairy man in that, you know, there's more and more trail cameras out there, certainly more and more highway video cameras and, and just still cameras out there in general, right. where we have a much greater potential to get photographic uh, or videographic evidence of the existence of the hairy man. Right. So I, th I think this is cool. I mean, this is the first account I think of where, you know, you have someone reporting real time to law enforcement and then law enforcement looking real time at the cameras and seeing something. But I don't think it's the last time. 
Yeah, it was a really good heads up on the part of that 911 operator to uh, have the wherewithal to go to whatever website she would go to to look at the cameras. Right. And just have it click into place like that where son of a... Can you imagine her expression when she looked at that camera and saw that image? Yeah, well, you figure these days, I mean, I have no idea. I don't know anyone that is a 911 operator, but they must have GPS access to where the phone call is coming from, at least the tower it's tied into. And then they can dial up, you know, the the closest DOT camera, like, you know, in the, in the event of a large wreck or something like that, they could see what's going on. Yeah, and folks, when you click into the link that Kev puts up, you're going to see this is taken from one of those high cameras that are typically mounted maybe to show you the weather somewhere or uh, maybe a traffic jam in a specific area where that's prone to happen on like your uh, your news channel when they switch to show you the outside. Uh, what would you say? It's probably a couple of hundred yards, Kev, right, from the camera to the uh, Bigfoot? Yeah, I'd say at least 100 yards. Yeah. And, yeah. when and I, it's dark, you know, you see the headlights of the cars coming down the road the other way. Right. It's not a lot of traffic by any means, but you can see a car. Yeah. You know, at least one car. And by and, the way, listeners, if you hear some howling in the background, I think there might be a dog man out in my yard. <laughs> yeah. Either that or uh, the wild Labrador. <laughs> I don't think it's her. I know I put her to bed. Oh, but, you did? Uh, could be a dog man. Okay. <laughs> now, look, I looked at that picture uh, for quite a while. You could definitely see the spacing between two legs. Yeah. Uh, the upper body looks like a refrigerator attached to the legs. I mean, this is a cube. No, and it definitely appears to have a, a head. Yeah. You yeah. know, a head and shoulders. Yeah, definitely so. a massive thing. And it's inside... The guardrail, it's on the paved side of the guardrail in reference to the street. Right. Uh, one, uh, 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 a co-worker of mine who was actually looking it over with me, he made mention of the fact that the top of the guardrail seemed to come up like to below its knees. Uh, and his observation was that, you know, how tall is a guardrail? I mean, it's got to be a, close to a couple of feet, Right. Well, and that's what the caller said, you know, that the creature dwarfed the size of the guardrail. Yeah. So that was part of the reasoning where they said it was much bigger than a bear. Yeah, yeah, you know. And obviously she knew what a bear looked like. Uh, yeah, if you live in Oregon and you travel down the highways, you know what a bear looks like. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I mean, you know. They're it, all over the place. Yeah, here we go again with, you know. Well, maybe it was a street sign. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I think you've been hitting the head with a street sign. What do you think of that? <laughs> wow, Very that's incredible. Cool. Yeah, no, great, great story, Kev. I'm glad you uh, brought that forth. Yeah, it's a good one. So what do you got cooking? I thought, do you have something else? No, that's it for this week, Bill. Okay, very good. Yeah. I got uh, a great encounter here. Uh, all the encounters are great, in my opinion, and I've said this many times, that uh, if somebody sees a Bigfoot walking down the highway like we just spoke about, to me, that's a great encounter. And uh, if somebody like Scott gets a report from a property owner who saw three Bigfoot walking along the tree line, that's a great encounter. So I don't... I don't... Uh, uh, say one is greater than the other. I know everybody likes to hear some type of crazy story, and, and who wouldn't? I'd like to hear that myself, you know? <laughs> uh, but uh, this story, once again, as you're going to hear, uh, is a rather chilling encounter because uh, we get into some real close quarters here with this creature. And it was brought to my attention by a fellow named Dennis Ryder, uh, a longtime resident of the state of Idaho. Uh, now, as you know, Idaho uh, seems to be an area where there's a lot of activity as well. Idaho, Wyoming, Oregon. This whole, uh, you know, it's almost like a Bermuda Triangle area up there 
in that uh, quadrant of the country for sightings and encounters. But, uh, excuse me, this is what happened to Dennis while he was elk hunting in October of 2006. He said that on October 12th, 2006, my hunting partner Eddie and I were heading into the hill country of northern Idaho in the hope of scoring our first bull elk of the season. The plan for the morning was that Eddie was going to circumvent the mount while I made my way up to the ridgeline. We had put a timeline on how long we believed it would take me to to get to the top, as well as for Eddie to get into position on the other side. After a steady and rigorous climb of over an hour, I had made it to the ridge and was positioning myself in an area where I believed the elk would be funneled into, running up the slope to get away from Eddie. The plan being that Eddie would begin a somewhat noisy flush of anything on the opposite slope, thereby driving them up to the ridge where I would be waiting for them. I had been sitting on the ridge for about 25 minutes after having made the climb, and as of yet, I hadn't heard anything of Eddie coming from below. So these guys were going to wrap this hill or mountain, he called it a mount, from both sides with one guy running a flush up to the other guy waiting on the top uh, who was going to take a shot at something coming over if it came. Okay. So... He says, without warning, he heard the sound of hooves running on the gravel coming up the wash that I was hidden near. And a spike elk came bolting up the slope, leaping over the other side only 25 feet from my position. No sooner had I turned my head to watch the spike make its leap, then did I hear what I will describe as a deep guttural breathing coming from where the buck had ascended through the wash. Hmm. The breathing was accompanied by the sound of rocks crunching, unlike the sound of the elks, unlike the sound that the elks' small hooves had made. Mind you, what I am talking about happened in a matter of seconds, not minutes. I had just turned my head in response to the new sound coming from this gravel wash, when a Sasquatch with what appeared to be two fast leaps had ascended about 20 feet of this wash and stopped directly in front of me. He was now looking at me in the exact spot where I had seen the spike leap over the ridge only 25 feet away. Hmm. There was nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. The volume of its breathing was intense as I was watching its chest pump in and out with every breath it took. In its right hand, the beast was holding what appeared to be at least a 10-pound rock, and it was now rolling it around in its hand like a major league pitcher selecting his grip for a pitch with a hardball. I lowered my gun. He started to rotate his head and began to make what I will describe as a low roar or growl. It was similar in sound and volume to that made by a lion at the circus, the sound of which penetrated my very being. I can't fully say why I didn't pull the trigger, but in the moment as I look back, I believe I was uncertain if one bullet would have taken it down. My thought being that before I could chamber the second, I would be a dead man. Hmm. I could now hear Eddie shouting faintly from below in response to having heard the growl which the beast had made. But I wasn't going to shout in the presence of this monster. At the same time I heard Eddie's voice, the creature had turned in response to it and flung the rock sidearm down the slope in Eddie's direction. He then clenched his fists, which were the size of basketballs, and showed me his teeth. 
to me, the facial expressions that the Sasquatch was now making said to me, I'm going to kill you and kill you now. It was then that I pulled the trigger. I hit him squarely in the neck and he fell to the ground, holding his throat and screaming. Eddie's voice was much louder now, but there was no way he could come any faster, the slope being very steep. I was now shouting at him while fumbling to chamber another round. This was a single-shot bolt-action rifle, and I dropped the round. I was shaking so hard that I couldn't function, and the beast was now back on its feet and screaming with blood pouring down at its chest. And with one superhuman leap, it launched itself down the slope and disappeared, whining and screaming as it did so. I started to shout to Eddie that I was all right, and ten minutes later he had made it to my position. When he asked me what had gone down, and as I began to tell him, he couldn't believe it. I showed him the blood-soaked ground where the Sasquatch had fallen and told him of everything that had happened. He said to me that when he heard the roaring, he didn't know what to think. It sounded like a bear to him, and yet he thought that a bear had attacked me. After all, what else could it have been? This creature was so close to me that I could smell him, and he stunk badly. The odor was along the lines of roadkill and an open cesspool. And after it had gone, the smell was still permeating my nostrils. Hmm. It was so bad that it almost seemed toxic to me. In fact, when Eddie had reached the ridge, he said, what's that stink? The beast was all of close to five feet wide at the armpits and close to six feet at the shoulders. The jaw protruded outward and its brow was overhanging its eyes, which gave it a very strange appearance. The entire body had scraggly brown hair on it and it appeared to be filthy dirty from head to toe. When it was showing me its teeth, they were both blackened and yellowed, and what I will call its bicuspids were about a half inch longer than the rest of its bite. I can't see how it could survive a shot to the throat with all the blood that was coming out of its body, but it was able to get up and flee. This animal, and I do mean animal, had come up the slope that we struggled with as though it was nothing. Yes, it was breathing heavy, but it had obviously chased the elk up the hillside, which is no easy task. The fact that it was also clutching this boulder told me that it was a weapon that it intended to use against the elk when it got close. His hands and feet were massive, and the bodily hair overhung the sides of his feet like it was fringe on a decorative pillowcase. It was the most incredible thing that you can imagine experiencing, and yet I more than likely could have died that day had it not been for Eddie calling out to me. I will never know. Hmm. What do you think of that? I mean, I think he's very lucky that uh, he lived to talk about this one. You know, first off, if he would have missed with the first shot, you know, I think I would have perhaps been aiming at the chest of this thing just so I didn't miss. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, if he didn't knock it down, um, it would have definitely, you know, gotten a piece of him at least. And then he's super lucky that having hit the thing after it got up, it turned and left. Yeah, I mean... You know, uh, otherwise, it, we'd never hear the story. Right, well, I mean, when you're dealing with animals, there's nothing worse than a wounded animal. Oh, no, terrible. Uh, you know, And I thought it was interesting how he dropped the second round when he was loading, because, you know, I was going to interrupt you. Of course, I never heard this count before. Uh, I was going to interrupt you, and I, would, uh, I was going to say I would have dropped the second round. 
<laughs> I think he said it was fumbling a little bit. I was like, yeah, a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a little bit. I think my hands would have been shaken off my wrists. <laughs> you know, 25 yeah. feet. He's 25 feet from this monster. Uh, you know, basically alone with his own thoughts. Yeah, his friend is coming, but he's still down the slope. He's not running up the slope to help him. Right. Right. And and um, the smell again, you know, and it's the first time I heard him talk about it like a debilitating smell. That sounds a little bit like what we were talking about with the map and glory in the Amazon, you know, with the debilitating odor. Yeah. Or where they get the name the skunk ape down south. No doubt. You know, yeah. I mean, a skunk is a pretty rancid uh uh, stench, even if you just smell them getting hit by a car on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When all the windows are rolled up in the car and you're driving by, it still stinks. It still stinks. So, yeah, I mean, you know, here you have, uh, you know, the overhanging brow, this protruding jaw, uh, the, the scraggly hair, the filthy, dirty appearance. I've had everything. I had some people say they saw a Bigfoot and it looked like it was groomed. Uh, yeah, this but, one was a little bit more like pig pen. Yeah, rolling Stinky around. Stinky and the, scraggly, but with some fangs, too. <laughs> Yikes. And, you know, this is, I believe, the second time uh, that I've heard of a Bigfoot with a rock in its hands. Yeah. So... If it was, in fact, a weapon, and one would say, why was it running up the hill following this spike with the rock in its hand if it wasn't a, a weapon? Yep. Uh, you know, hey, I mean, if you could hurl a 10-pound rock at something and at least knock it down uh, or injure it, it may be a secondary way of uh, taking something down without actually having to run up on it. You know, kind of uh, interesting phenomena, you know? Very cool. Wow. Definitely cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so here we go again, another hunter, uh, or in this case, a pair of hunters, uh, coming across something certainly they didn't expect to going out looking for an elk that day. And, uh, you know, it's a one-off deal, you know? Yeah, you know, in a pretty rural place, you know. Splitting up, trying to flush something out, and one of them runs into the beast. Yeah, you know, Idaho. I mean, there's plenty going on over there. Well, uh, especially northern Idaho. You know, I don't think they mentioned exactly where they were. But, you know, I've talked about hiking around in Priest Lake and places like that up in northern Idaho. Yeah. It is super rural up there. Yeah, yep. And, uh, you know something, uh it's coming back to me now, Kev. You had asked me earlier about Scott and Megan, uh, where they lived. Yeah. Now, something's coming to me now, and Scott, forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think Scott said they were about 25 miles away from where the Provo, Utah sighting oh. had occurred. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm confusing my conversation in that they're living down south, but at the time they were over there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and if I'm confusing the issues, pardon me, uh, but that's what's coming back to me now, that Scott was on the other side of a mountain range 25 miles uh, away from the Provo, uh, Utah siding that we yep. had spoken about, I believe, in podcast one, Kev, no? Yep. Exactly. That was podcast one, season one. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's it, man. I mean, uh, super exciting. Uh, again, we have a guy who saw what he saw when he saw it, believe it or not. Super cool. <laughs> I'm loving it. So what do you got for me today? What do we got to dig up at our... Yeah, uh, we got some great listener mail. Um Lots of it. So first off, we go to the UK. So um, this gentleman named JR writes, uh, I just want to write to say thank you for the amazing podcast. Love it. I'm from Cornwall in the UK, and I listen every week. I'm a huge fan of all things Bigfoot, 
and listen to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of Bigfoot videos on YouTube, Amazon, etc. And I want you to know that I think your podcast is by far the best. Well, thank you, JR. Wow. And he says, you guys present some great stories in a clear and informative way. Most of the time. I said most of the time. <laughs> Best of all, you're so funny and obviously love the subject and are so passionate about it. Thank you for providing me with so many hours of great listening. Uh, lo love you guys. Happy New Year. So I, I figured I'd share that one because it's a little ce celebratory uh, coming into the New Year celebration here in a couple of days. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you, no. JR. We will definitely try to keep it going as we head into season two. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, folks, uh, Kevin and I are blown away uh, by the breadth of our listener base. We got people from every corner of the planet uh, listening in uh, to us uh, uh, chatted up about Bigfoot and uh, uh, skinwalkers and freaking every other kind of creature you can imagine. <laughs> and it's very exciting uh, to know that so many people are embracing what we're doing out there. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. All right. So next we go to a note from Chance. So it could be one of the cooler names of our listener mail, Chance. <laughs> and uh, Chance says, first off, thank you for the awesome podcast. I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast. You guys and Wes's Sasquatch Chronicles are my favorite. And big shout out to Wes there. Yeah. We like Wes too. Um, and he says, my question for you is, do you think that Bigfoot and Dogman are bitter enemies? Of possibility, <laughs> there could be a distant relation between the two. Thanks again for the podcast. Keep up the great work and God bless. Wow. Well, listen, I'll tell you right off the bat. Uh, if I was the autistic type, maybe a good new comic book series, Bigfoot <laughs> versus Dogman. There you go. <laughs> I could see a movie poster. <laughs> that would go back to like uh, the Wolfman versus Frankenstein. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Bigfoot versus Dogman. The battle begins. <laughs> I wonder if Bigfoot or Dogman would have some type of Batmobile. <laughs> you know, they can have the, the Bigfoot mobile or the dog cycle. <laughs> I don't it's know. just too stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. But All right, we are now going to the Middle East to Shlomo. Oh, but Kev, wait a minute. Oh. You didn't answer the question. Yeah, do you think they're better enemies? Yeah, or re relatives. Yeah, How about I relatives? I, I don't think they're relatives. <laughs> you know, I, I tend to go with um, what you often say, Bill, where you think Dogman is a little bit more of... Uh, you know, a conjuring, some type of demonic thing. Yeah. Um, versus, uh, versus uh, the hairy man. Yeah, yeah, and I stand my ground on that. I just have a feeling about this whole thing that, uh, one one is natural and one is unnatural. And you know that I even feel like some of the Bigfoot sightings are of the same ilk as Dogman. In other words, they're not they're not legit. Yep. So yep. Uh, can I prove that? No. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have to prove it? No. <laughs> All right. So now we're going back to the Middle East, to Shlomo in Israel. Wow. And Shlomo says, fantastic show. How many encounters have been verified by police that you are aware of? That evidence surrounding the domestic dispute was incredible, to say the least. And you're right, Kevin. A man would have remained stuck in the mud for certain. Great show. So he's referencing uh, our podcast from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and that was when you said that the guy who crossed by the creek and found that deep imprint yeah, if it was couple a man, of feet, he couple would have of feet been stuck deep. There. Yeah, we. If you or I stepped into mud on a riverbank and went down to our knee, we'd never be able to pull ourselves out of that. Right, and even no if you somehow it. could, it would not be without some great struggle laying in the water, trying to pull your legs out or whatever. You know, you're not just going to no. pop out of there and run away. And you're not going to do it quickly, because as I recall. 
these law enforcement guys were pretty close by. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's no. They doubt were about minutes, it. minutes behind, not hours behind. Yeah, and we've had quite a few just that we've discussed, uh, where there was uh, allegedly uh, law enforcement uh, at a scene or reported to. I mean, heck, we just talked about the nine one one call and the woman going to the. Uh, yeah, to the DOT cameras and yeah. kind of, you know, verifying it. Yeah. Of course, there's skeptics that say no, but, you know, I think it's I think it's fair. Yeah, no, nah, it's definitely fair. And then, of course, we had the Whitehall, New York case yep. that you spoke about a couple of months back. Yep, uh, reported by a yeah, policeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's things going on all the time, Shlomo. And, uh, uh, you know, once again, we're left with, believe it or not, uh, I choose to believe it. Uh, I'm sure there are others who choose not, but... Uh, yeah, and, and Bill and I are in violent agreement on that a lot of these sightings, I think, don't go reported because people are afraid of the repercussions of reporting it. You know, right? you could see if you were working your way, way up the ranking career ladder as a law enforcement officer, you probably don't want to be the guy that's known as seeing Bigfoot. Right? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And you know what? Credit to the woman who made the 911 call. Yeah, no doubt. She could have easily just driven by and tucked it in her bonnet, so to speak, and that would have been the end of it. Yep. But instead, we have this cool piece of footage and the documentation to go along with it uh, that allows us to talk about it. No doubt. And uh, to me, that's what it's all about. That's worth the price of admission, you know? Yep. Wow. All right. And now we have a note from uh, Rich in Southern Alberta. And this is the one you were talking about, Bill, um, where he's talking about as a hunter and a hiker, um, the exploding deer or exploded deer. So I'm going to read his note because it's pretty informative. So he was he was responding to my request if anybody knew anything. Exactly. Oh, that's excellent. Very good. Okay. So he says, the sight of a deer that looks exploded is actually fairly common, and I have come across this wild-looking sight myself. He says, if a wolf-slash-coyote pack or even a large bear takes down a deer, they shred it to bits. Imagine four to eight hungry animals, or one very large one, on all sides, ripping, shredding, etc., Once they're done with the carcass, smaller animals come in and spread what's left around. Porcupines, wolverines, badgers, minks, etc. even chew on and eat the bones for the calcium, with the blood oxidizing and disappearing in a few short days. All you have left to come across is bits of hair and bones spread around, and just like you have your exploding deer that I talked about seeing in Priest Lake. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Thanks, Rich. That's good, good, solid uh, input there. Yeah, you know, Kevin, here we go, right? I'm always uh, giving credit where credit is due, and these hunters know what they are seeing, and they know what they are talking about. And uh, a credit to our listenership that we can reach out there, and Rich responded uh, in such a way that was actually educational. No doubt. And Rich is, by the way, he's given us a little bit more. Um, you know, we, we talked about the uh, gentleman that was uh, hunting and diffusing landmines in Cambodia. And um, um, Rich talks about, he says, you should look into the rock apes. He said, soldiers serving in Vietnam reportedly ran into these creatures all the time. Picture a Bigfoot, but more slender and usually no more than six and a half feet tall. There are many accounts from returned soldiers detailing their encounters. As far as the exploded four foot tall one goes in Cambodia, remember that much of the border of Cambodia is along Vietnam, separated by a river. So it stands to reason that the rock apes of Vietnam would also be found in Cambodia. And with literally millions of undetonated landmines, it only figures that now and then some poor Sasquatch or rock ape would trip one. There great you show, go. guys. Keep up the great work. And, and great reporting, Rich. Keep up the great work to you. That's really interesting. And I put uh, rock apes of Vietnam down in my journal. We're going to be looking into that one. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Rich, that was excellent, excellent, excellent reporting on your part. Uh, and chime in with us anytime, people. Do not be afraid to contribute to the dialogue that we're having here on this podcast. That was really good stuff, you know. <laughs> and this guy, you know, here we go. Now we open up another can of worms with him beginning to talk about uh, enlightening us to the exploding deer carcass and then sliding us a curveball over the inside part of the plate <laughs> with rock apes in Vietnam. No doubt about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. All right. So we're going uh, uh, from uh, Alberta, southern Alberta, Canada, to the Dominican Republic, or the DR, with Big Kenny. Big Kenny. And Big Kenny writes, <clears throat> I really enjoy your eclectic format. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that's what we call structure, Bill. <laughs> he says the oddities segment is quite interesting like listening to the creepy story being read i love what you guys are doing so keep it up best regards big kenny big kenny all right big kenny be safe down there in the dr <laughs> and thanks for writing in and thanks for the kind words yeah now when you introduce yourself to somebody big kenny do you say hey i'm big kenny nice to meet you I think you do if you put it in your uh, email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people crack me up, man. I'm All still right. laughing at that other guy. What was his name? Beastly Bobby? <laughs> do you remember, Ken? I forget. I for, I re, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I oh, forget. Bulldog. Bulldog, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bulldog. Beastly, Beastly Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> you Bobby threw me Bigfoot. off the trail with that one. Yeah, it's Bobby Bigfoot. <laughs> All right, now we're going down south here to Enrique in Nicaragua. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we have stories of hairy men in my country as well, but it hasn't caught fire in the same way that you speak of it in the States. Why do you think that is? I have heard a fair amount about the skunk ape in Florida and would like your take on that too. Enrique. Wow. So what do you think, Bill? You hear anything, see anything down in Nicaragua? I haven't, but uh, really, uh, I, I wish the floodgate would open uh, with people coming in and telling us what they've heard or what's been passed on to them. Right. Uh, I'm sure if there's one person named Enrique that has some type of knowledge... Uh, be it first-hand, second-hand, third-hand of uh, a creature, there has got to be other people out there that have some uh, uh, closer... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Kev? Like some... A little more intuitive uh, uh, report on... Uh, yeah, closer association to it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a call-out. A little shout-out to all you guys that have any experience down in Nicaragua. Um, whether you're still down there or if you've relocated uh, to someplace like the U.S. or Canada, reach out to us and let us know what you know about these creatures in Nicaragua. And, uh, you know, he talks about the skunk ape, Bill. Definitely you mentioned it early on, earlier on in the podcast related to uh, the stench, I think. Um, and, you know, there, skunk ape is on my to-do list for... Uh, the other oddities segment. I just really, I've been looking at it all the way along since we started, but I haven't seen anything uh, compelling enough to report on yet. So right, right. again, if you got anything out there that's super compelling down there in the Florida area, let me know. Let us well, you know. know. You know what? Maybe we could just open up the dialogue one day by just reporting on what's purported about the skunk ape yep. up, up to this point in time. You know? Absolutely. So uh, sometimes just a conversation about it uh, stimulates a response from somebody else or, you know, we never know what's going to happen. Very good. Very cool. interesting. And then uh, our last note today, Bill, comes from Allison in Illinois, in the okay. central U.S. And Allison says she's 84 years old and find... Your uh, our podcast, she says, your podcast to be both entertaining and informative. In the 1970s, I saw one of these monsters on the interstate, and it didn't so much as flinch when I slowed down. 
It simply turned its head to look and and then back to slowly walking into the woods. They have to be aware of the people, cars, and according to what happened to me, they don't necessarily care at time at times. Wow. Do you have any thoughts on this, Allison from Illinois? Wow. What do you think about that, Kev? It's pretty cool. I mean, we hear about the sightings all the time along the roadside, along the highway. I'm still yep. waiting to see one yep. with all the driving I do, but I haven't seen one yet, but I'm always looking. Yep. And then, um, you know, it's also interesting, Bill, where here she listens to the podcast and then it jars her memory or spurs her forward to talk about something that she saw in the 70s. You know, we've we've heard about that several times during yep. our podcasting. Where, yeah, you know, maybe they never mentioned it before, but, you know, listening to it and having someone to tell all of a sudden, it's kind of like, hey, I've seen those. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that you could type uh, an email is uh, a kind of nondescript way of, you know, not too much identification. You know, you're not going to lose any sleep over typing out a message to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods podcast and saying something, you know. No, no, not at all. So it's a way of sharing something and kind of remaining your uh, remaining uh, anonymous, so to speak. You know, no doubt. Yeah, and we're not going to give your identity away or anything like that. Either. Right, right. And I mean, look, she doesn't have a lot to share, but what she has to share is that she saw something on the side of the road back in the seventies and identifies it as being a Bigfoot. Yeah, so, it's uh, super cool. Yeah, and it, it's. It, I mean. If you get a thousand people saying the same thing in a thousand different locations, what does that tell you? Yeah, no doubt about it. And more than a thousand, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, you know. And here we are again, just talking about a camera, which they didn't have in the 70s, uh, taking a picture of this one next to the guardrail. Yep, exactly. Uh, Just amazing. We're going to see more evidence over time. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Wow, super good. Well, again, you know, thank you everybody for sticking with us through this first season. And please give us five stars on your favorite player. And then also, if you have a few minutes, just drop a few kind words in the review section as well, uh, as well as giving us the five stars. We love to hear from you, and it brings more listeners to the podcast as well. So thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome. Well said, brother. And folks, As we close out this podcast being our last podcast for season one, may I remind you once again of just one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. (laughs) 